Hey everyone, this is Nicole. Welcome to the podcast. We are talking about entrepreneurship, launching businesses, the systems that you need to be successful, working from the road, travel, travel hacks, and all things in between. Welcome to the Traveling Entrepreneur. Episode four, Kendra Tool of Bama Toke Made. Hey Kendra, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm really excited to talk to you. Yeah, I'm excited too. I can't wait to talk to you about what I've been up to. Yeah. So uh, before we kind of get into it, maybe you could tell everyone what it is that you do and we'll just kind of go from there. Sure. So I am the co-founder of an organization called Bamatoke Made, and we are a social enterprise. Uh, and for people that what that means is a social enterprise is a company that invests our profits back into growing the company and into our employees. So we're not a nonprofit, but we are not profitable, if that makes sense. So we are registered as an LLC, both in Uganda and in the US. So um, to get into what we do, we are a um, company in Uganda that makes biodegradable greeting cards. Mm -hmm. And we are registered both in the U.S. and in Uganda because we sell majority of our product in the U.S. right now. Mm-hmm. Into doing that, how did it, how did you create this business? Yeah, so I have been working in Uganda in the nonprofit sector since um, 2007. I came as a teenager volunteering, um, and really early on, I noticed that the work I was doing as harsh as the sound doesn't have the impact that I thought it had and that a lot of organizations think they have when they're funneling young adults into uh, developing countries. Mm -hmm. So I actually made friends with Ugandan volunteers. Um, I was working in an orphanage and they were volunteering at the orphanage as interpreters Mm -hmm. and we became lifelong friends and we continued to serve together every summer. So we were like growing a relationship together and just talking about the long-term life of the kids we were working with. You know, we had grown really close to the children we worked with and we really wanted to see them succeed Mm post-orphanage. So with that relationship, I gained insight into, you know, some of the circumstances that led children to be in orphanages. So we decided to try and look at the root cause issues. And a lot of the root cause issues we found were economic setbacks for families. So a family may have experienced some debt, maybe some land was stolen, maybe they just didn't have income generating. And because of that, something as low as 40 to $80 could land their children at an orphanage. Wow. And so a lot of the kids at the orphanage actually had parents, but institutionalized care was the best solution to having them fed, clothed, and educated. Hmm. And some of my... Um, colleagues or the other volunteers who are now my co-founders, both of my co-founders are Ugandan um, social workers. And so they had intimate knowledge on some of the emotional and long-term impacts to the kids of growing up in institutionalized care. So we just really wanted to see some sort of way to invest in the families and help end this process of children ending up in institutionalized care due to economic setbacks. So that's a long-winded answer as to how we got a company, but we started this company and the way we work is we employ 
women who have children in orphanages or are at risk of their children going to orphanages. Mm -hmm. And that's one group we work with. And then the other group we work with are the original orphans that we met and know who are now college age and young adults and helping them transition into adulthood with employable skills training and opportunities to save an entrepreneurial education. That's incredible. So the women in Uganda are the ones actually creating these products, right? Correct. Yeah. So our employees, um, some of them are the young adults as well, but the majority of our employees are women who are living uh, under the poverty line and have children that they are trying to take care of. That's incredible. So how, so is the money going directly back to them? Is it going to the orphanage directly? How, what, where? Yeah. Uh, so we actually don't partner with any institutions anymore to funnel money to you call it our beneficiaries or you could just call them our employees. And that's kind of what sets us apart from a nonprofit is we are, we are directly funneling for-profit money to individuals in Uganda who want work mm -hmm. and who are available for work. And so all of our income, we bring it in and we either are building out programs for the company. So that's that can look like investing in opportunities to generate income and create more jobs in Uganda, or we are funding programs for our employees. And that, what that looks like is during COVID-19, we provided grocery stipends to all of our employees. Um, we're going into a tumultuous election cycle this week and we're providing groceries to our employees so that they can shelter in place. Well, and the reason, thank you. <laughs> the, the reason we do that is because we just believe that if we want good employees, we have to invest in them. It's, it's similar to benefits in the U.S. at a more corporate job. Yeah. Well, I mean, it also goes to the core of like why you would have created a social enterprise in the first place. Like your heart has to be in it. And yeah. it's not, yeah. obviously not just about building a business. Like you're obviously right. impacting a lot of people and a lot of lives. One of my favorite social enterprises that has inspired our company is based in the U.S. And I went and visited them last year as a part of a cohort that I was doing with the um, Social Enterprise Alliance, which is an organization that kind of brings together social impact organizations mm -hmm. and companies. And um, they said, we are a mission with a business. And I mm -hmm. loved that. Yeah, because a lot of the time it's business first, mission second, but we are a mission just looking for ways to generate income and create jobs to create a path for our mission to succeed. Yeah, that's awesome. I love that. How did you, because you are in America, how did you actually create this company abroad? Like what did the, the, the nuts and bolts process look like for you? Yeah, and I would say one thing that is really important to know is that my counterparts, my two co-founders are Ugandan. Yes. So I'm the only US-based employee, but that does create a lot of challenges. Uh, one, I'm not, I'm not as well informed about cultural practices or you know, when this communication comes through, what does it mean? So I'm heavily dependent on my co-founders who are very involved on the ground, building up our business and our manufacturing mm -hmm. processes there. And then what I provide is, you know, I do marketing and sales and a lot of our like business architecture, I work and collaborate with them, but they have the nuts and bolts of building what's on the ground. And we did that through, it took us about a year to build out the beginning of the business. And now we're, I think we're going on our fifth year of business and we thank you uh, and we are still building out the architecture of what our program looks like yeah and 
so the beginning stages we had weekly whatsapp meetings um because the time zone is different uh we didn't have a lot of money so it wasn't like people had laptops and a google suite and all of this available so we started out with a gmail and with a whatsapp and we just communicated using that um, sending documents back and forth and then registering the business in the u.s was more uh, more simple because I could register with enough of the information that I had. Whereas in Uganda, I had to be physically present to sign our documentation. And I go about every year. And from time to time, there's reasons like this year with COVID-19 that I could not go. Uh, luckily, I went right before the pandemic started. But that can really slow down the process when I need to be there in person for tax documentation or business registration. So we, it took like two years for us to get registered and we're still working to get on the up and up with tax documentation in both countries. Mm -hmm. What, because you went through the whole process of multiple years, what are some things that you learned along the way that like, if you could go back now, what would you tell your former self to make, to make that process easier? I need to write a book about that answer. <laughs> right? but, um, I would say, you know, one of the key things, if we're talking about collaborating on an international project, especially a remote job and something that has impact, like that's specifically what I'm talking to. I think it's so important to put aside uh, cultural norms and expectations. Hmm. Um, that's the biggest thing I've learned. It's impacted my career. It's impacted my personal life. And it's that I went into things with this entrepreneurial mindset that's fostered by the U.S. mindset on entrepreneurs. Like, yeah, I had this like shark tank idea of how we're going to do things, you know, or like Harvard Business School documentation that I was pouring over and teaching myself and startup culture and all of these ideas and concepts that foster the idea of starting a business in my head are hugely impacted by my my environment yeah. and that really put a lot of hurdles in our way when communicating expectations when outlining what our business would look like when outlining how to measure our impact um all of that and so i learned to listen i'm still learning to listen and i think that it's important to note that businesses can be successful outside of what you think it takes for a business to be successful mm -hmm. and a strong team in collaboration is very important to move something forward, a unique business to occur. Yeah, I really like that. That's just that's just a good life lesson as well. It was it was a very high your expectations. And yeah, because you have no idea on any given issue or topic. You have no idea what you're bringing to the table of your own background, like baggage from your background versus the reality yeah. of what anyone else in the situation is experiencing. Absolutely. And like learning how to sell something on the street in Uganda is very different than learning how to sell something in the US. Mm -hmm. Marketing and branding, very different. Quality control, very different. And then I think more importantly is just keeping the eye on the vision of the company. Mm -hmm. You know, I learned that like our vision is the mission. Our vision is the impact. I can get beat down by, you know, customer feedback. That is a hard thing to learn when you've not done any business. Mm -hmm. um, learning how to take like negative feedback from a customer on this precious thing you've blood, sweat and tears for. And right. so 
I think at the end of the day, the only thing that keeps me going is the insights that I have to what our team is doing on the ground mm -hmm. and knowing that we have made lasting impact in a community. What would you recommend? Like, how do you recommend people reach out and make an impact when you didn't feel like your volunteer experience was really making the impact that you wanted to make? Like, what are some ways, if any, that you would recommend people get involved? Yeah, I think that it's important to, you know, especially if you have zero insight, like, and you're like, I want to go help Africa, or <laughs> I want to go volunteer in Asia. Yeah, uh, you have to know that, like, these places that you dream of live in your head. They're real countries, they're real cities, they're real people with real ecosystems that you will never understand. Um, and real life experiences that are not what you see in the news headline. Um, so I think what's important is to go and learn and to to frequent businesses. To me, that's the best way. If you're interested in a country or you want to help somebody, um, first of all, I think the most important thing to do is like go and, you know, invest. Like that's that's what I think is important is go and invest because that's an opportunity for you to gain insight. Mm -hmm. to challenge yeah. your own beliefs and your own concepts about what you think you're getting into. Um, that was, you know, that was, I was 18. I was 17 when I signed up for this trip to go. I'd seen Invisible Children, which was like a very popular movie for my age group of people. And it painted this picture of like a war-torn country in Uganda. And, you know, I got there wanting to believe it was war-torn. Mm -hmm. And that's not to say there's not issues and there's not conflict or there's not poverty. There are those things, but you know, it's not the Hollywood version of what you think in your head. Yeah. And there's all sorts of scales of, um, you know, there's poor people, there's rich people, there's mega rich people in Uganda. Yeah. There's just a lot of things that I didn't know going in. And I think that's important is to like, frequent businesses, when you care about a cause or you care about an organization or you care about a people, invest in people who have built something and get your opportunity to gain insight by supporting them and investing in them. Mm -hmm. Have you heard about like the microloans that you can do for women running businesses in Africa, Asia? What do you think about those places, those, those services? Yeah, I have heard of them. And I'm going to like preface this by saying I'm an aerospace engineer. I'm not a economics. I'm not like a finance background. So yeah. I'm not a professional opinion. Um, but <laughs> None of us are professional opinions. <laughs> yeah, just a conversation. This is the chat. <laughs> yeah, in our practical experience, like what we experience with our women, um, we rarely get a return on investment. Like we rarely offer a loan and get that money back. And it's not because they're not good for it. It's not because of, you know, we didn't sign a proper documentation and this and that. It's that very small amounts of money can burden people with debt for yeah. a very long amount of time. Mm -hmm. And psychologically debt has an impact on people. I grew up in a family that was burdened by debt. I've experienced the burden of debt with student loans. Mm -hmm. It is, it puts a psychological impact on people that I didn't want to do with our company and my co-founders really didn't want to do. We didn't want to tell people that, you know, success was in their future, that it was within reach, but also it came with these strings of burden attached. Yeah. So we have found ways that to us, are our, our 
our equivalent of people putting their skin in the game mm -hmm. that satisfi satisfies us to tell us that this investment is worthwhile and it will continue on for a lasting impact. Um, and I, I can tell you about how we how we feel that we guarantee that, um, but specifically with the loans, it's just not the way we want to do things. How do you feel that you guarantee that? I think that for us, there's a few different factors. Um, in order to graduate our program, to get your business startup capital, you have to meet a few criteria. And the criteria is that you have to have made a certain number of cards in a it doesn't have to be in a certain amount of time, but we typically give people about six months to do it. Mm -hmm. So you have to make a certain amount of cards. You have to have 100% attendance to our entrepreneur training program. So we offer these monthly meetings while women are making cards. They make their cards at home because we don't want to take them away from their children. Mm -hmm. We know that we're trying long term to get their children in school, but many of them cannot at this time afford to put their children in school. So we employ them to work from home, but once a month, we ask them to come to an entrepreneurship summit. And at this event, we collect the cards they've made, we check for quality, um, and we discuss kind of business practices. And then we offer a seminar on a segment of our entrepreneurship training program that we have. And then the final requirement is that you have had to, you had, you have to save some of your income. So the women in our program are not just working for free, we are actually paying them per product. So on a monthly basis, they are paid per product that they have manufactured and they're given a set amount. And we offer every single one, hey, you can take this money today if you have emerging uh, needs that you need to take it, you can take it or you can put a percentage or all of it in savings. Almost every single one of our women chooses to save 100%. Wow. Yeah, they are trying, I really like, that i mean from time to time of course there's expenses these women are living in a yeah, yeah. Situation they have to feed their families and we try to offer benefits that will allow them to save as much as possible and they save the money and then we will quadruple it at the end of the term when they've reached a certain amount i believe what we require from them savings in the six months is 50 dollars. i know that's like seems like a very small amount we turn that into a 200 dollars minimum startup capital so most of these women are starting businesses with $200. Wow, that is a really great, I mean, you mentioned earlier that it was about $40 that could land a child in an orphanage. So Absolutely, 50 yeah. and turning it into 200 is, sounds pretty incredible. Yeah, and it's it's proven for us. There's a couple reasons why we do it, but it's the skin in the game. It mm -hmm. shows that they've demonstrated an investment in their own future and an interest in their business. So a lot of companies, you know, we talked about the loans, another practice, especially in the aid sector is to just make women start certain businesses. Everyone gets a sewing machine. Everyone in the same village gets the same sewing machine. <laughs> and you, you already know you're laughing because you know what that's gonna be. It's gonna crash the market. There's no demand. Right. That's like basic economics. <laughs> Yeah, and that's one issue. The second issue is like, what if this woman hates sewing? She's gonna no. take your sewing machine and it's gonna turn into nothing and you're gonna be frustrated and say my aid is wasted. Yeah, no. if someone gave me a sewing machine, they're throwing the money away, <laughs> I promise yeah. you. And so we try to stay away from that. During COVID-19, we had our operations significantly impaired. And so we tried to do a cake baking seminar. Um, and you know what? Nobody, Nobody's making cakes. 
Yeah. And that's frustrating, but you want to know why is because you have to ask people like, what are you going to invest your energy and time into? What's going to make you excited to get out of bed? Right. If What's going to make the cost worth it? Like yeah. the emotional, the energetic cost. Yeah. 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 So that's, that's just been our experiences. Um, just trying to learn from mistakes and our past mistakes, as well as other groups within the like community's mistakes. Mm-hmm. I'm going to switch a little bit topics and kind of get into just the entrepreneurial side, like the day-to-day. What does a typical day look like for you in terms of working within this business? Like, what are you, do you have a routine? Do you have any systems you really like? Like, what is it like in a practical? Do I have systems? Oh, please. (laughs) Like, this is, (laughs) yeah, please go into extreme detail. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. So I, um, I am on a sabbatical, like right in this moment as we're speaking. Um, but to go through my routine, so I have a full-time, I currently have a mostly full-time job right now, mm-hmm. but for the last, you know, four and some change years that I've been doing Bamatoke, I had a very demanding full-time job, nine to five style, sometimes more. So I have quite a few routines in place that help me to stay accountable to Bamatoke, Um, one is I try to set aside a certain amount of time every week to work it. So (laughs) it can be anywhere from five to 20 hours at current. And it was a lot more in the beginning. Mm -hmm. Um, but I try to set aside a certain amount of time and I do habit tracking. I find it really helpful for me to just keep track of my goals and making sure on a weekly basis, I'm working towards my goals. Mm -hmm. So I actually track my hours for Bamatoke in my habit tracker. And we have an hourly chart for my other, um, for my other team members and stuff. But um, so I I track my hours and I just try to hold myself accountable to say, hey, I'm working on this goal. I'm working on this vision and I'm gonna put the time in on a weekly basis. Mm -hmm. So on a day where I'm gonna work Bamatoke, let's say Sunday, because Monday uh, in Uganda is Sunday night for me in Seattle. Mm -hmm. I have our weekly team kickoff meeting. So it's Monday morning for them and Sunday night before I go to bed, we have a meeting about what the week's going to look like. And we have two meetings per week. It's a check-in on Sunday, which is Monday for them, and a Friday evening check-in from them, which is Friday morning for me. Okay. And so we use Google Calendar because the time difference can get very confusing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so we Google Calendar. And then I personally use a lot of alarms on my phone because even Google Calendar won't wake me from whatever busy thing I'm doing. So I have alarms set um, all throughout the week for different meeting times. I have a one-on-one with our managing director on Monday nights. I have Sunday nights with the whole team, Friday mornings with the whole team. And then that's how I track like the direct interaction with our team. Mm -hmm. I know they track it different ways. And then I actually have developed a bit of a calendar where I try to rotate through different content in the week. Mm -hmm. So I'm doing social media, I'm doing finances, I'm doing website, I'm doing fulfillment. So I have different days of the week that I'm focusing on the different content. Um, um, But a lot of the time I am setting aside different days of the week and I'm tracking it in a habit tracker or in my calendar with alarms saying okay now it's time to do fulfillment Uh because it can be so hard to like coordinate all the like information going on in your head when you have this entrepreneurship program and then you have your day job and then I also like Airbnb my house and have also creative ventures that I'm trying to launch Uh similar to like this podcast I have 
things I'm content I'm trying to create as well. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that the most people when they're launching some kind of business, they're also doing some other business, you know, they're doing their nine to five. So I think yeah. it's interesting to learn how people balance that and how they, you know, are you, are you time blocking? Are you doing a little every day? Are you setting aside yeah. marketing Mondays and finance Fridays? And exactly. So, yeah, yeah, definitely. I have, I have like, I'm trying to build out a formal calendar that literally like you've seen content calendars where it's like, today we're talking about pillar one and pillar two. I try to do that with like all of our like subjects. Like, yeah. am I doing tax filing on Monday every third week of the month or, you know, whatever. <laughs> So I'm trying to build something out that's a little more digital, but at this point, it's just mostly on my handwritten notes. <laughs> and I kind of, on Sunday, I set my week too. I look at Monday through Friday and there's certain days of the week that I leave where I'm like no social stuff because I need to be able to work on, you know, Bamatoke. And so I might have social calendar items Monday and Wednesday, and I know Tuesday and Thursday are Bamatoke nights. Are you talking about social media or literally social things? Literally social, like being a human and having friends. <laughs> well, the last year's made that really easy. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I love wipe it. wipe out like, the whole calendar. <laughs> yeah, but like, can't hang out pandemic, sorry. <laughs> yeah, I've gotten very used to that. <laughs> like, yeah. Not doing anything, so. Yeah. So when I lived in Washington, D.C. was when I was um, working with my teammates and collaborating to launch Bamatoke. Mm -hmm. And I will tell you, I did not hang out. Like I had friends and they were frustrated by how little I would hang out. But I was so laser focused on all the resources available within the community. Yeah. There's so many networking opportunities and education opportunities that I was like, I was so in on Bamatoke. And I think that lasted probably a year until I moved to Seattle Mm -hmm. And then I was like, okay, I need to balance a little bit and make sure I build in time for both the company as well as like my mental health and rest and stuff. Mm -hmm. How do you feel like you were going to networking events and whatnot? How valuable do you find that to be when launching a new venture? Like, do you think it's actually helpful to build out your audience that way? Or do you just feel like you, you know, end up just meeting people and nothing happens from that? Yeah, I mean, that's a very fair question. I do think that it's all about what your intention is in meeting people. Mm -hmm. Like if I was never trying to build a customer base or an audience or anything, I was truly just trying to glean information. Mm -hmm. And through that process, I made friendships, but I never expected to gain connections or, you know, value add relationships. Um, I never went in being like, okay, I need this investor. And maybe I should be, I don't know. I don't, I'm not going to act like I'm running this company. Like, a fortune 500 who's right. not like investors like i am the investor it was me party yeah. of one <laughs> right, right, right. Um, so like i don't know that i handle networking correctly but i will say like i am a very creative brain and i just need a little stimulus to run a really far distance with so meeting people and networking and hearing about what they're doing really helped me shape and like get an idea of what i wanted to do I think going to networking events and expecting something out of someone can be frustrating for yeah. not only you, but for them, they feel, especially in DC, especially yeah. here. Like when I first moved here, my, and I went to the networking events when I first got here, it was so jarring because I'm super relationship oriented. And um, the first few networking events that I went to, and really the first kind of people I met, it was so, so surface level and so name droppy 
and who do you work yeah. for? And like yeah. now, I, now I've definitely like I've found my people. I found my circle. Like, yeah, great. But it's really it's a different animal going to a networking event here than anywhere else. It is, and I will say I actually found great pleasure in like going with zero intention of any outcome. Um, another thing, like I don't know if this is like showing my cards too hard, but I volunteered at events a lot. And the reason I did that was because I got access to parts of the events that I wouldn't get as a general spectator or as a networking attendee. And when people saw me with a name tag, despite being like Joe Schmo off the street, they gave me a certain level of power in the room mm -hmm. as an organizer. And I was just like, yeah, I just go to Costco to pick up the muffins, but you can pick whatever you want of me. <laughs> but yeah. it just kind of like brought... I don't know, for me, it always brought a little tension out of meeting people, especially because they, they knew I wasn't trying to get something from them. Yeah. So an example of that was I, I met like a very amazing woman from the state department, um, really early on in my time at DC. And I met her because she lived near me and I had a car and I was at a startup event in DC and I offered to give her a ride home. I was the volunteer coordinator for the event. And I was just there because a friend was one of the organizers and she needed, she like was like, oh, come volunteer and we'll hang out. And I was like, sure. This lady is one of my closest friends now. And we've stayed in touch. We have a true relationship. The and relationship wasn't founded on an expectation of exchange. Right. I guess the car ride, but. <laughs> like, and the muffins, come on. The muffins. Taco muffins. The muffins are so good. But it, I think it's important, like you said, relationship building is important and it can be hard to do in networking where the intention is like, you know, to get something, to build a customer base, to, you know, to get a loan or to get an investment. It can be hard to build yeah. those relationships. Yeah, definitely. Um, so you, you've been, as you mentioned before, you've been traveling back and forth between the US and Uganda for a long time, five years. And more than five since 2007 that's right right but when you were volunteering as well yeah. and like for instance now you're in Hawaii so yeah. where <laughs> talk to me a little bit about how travel what you think of when you think of travel how why it's important to you how it impacts your life that kind of thing yeah I mean uh, um, I travel a lot because of my mental health I am like kind of you know, I think I'm a little vagabondy by nature. Um, I come from an international household where I was, I'm half American, half Hungarian. So I constantly had this like difference in culture. Like I, I never really found my place. I'm not at home anywhere. I found a way to be at home now, many places. I'm not wandering, looking for home, but I've always had this like curiosity and this dichotomy of like, I understand two sides to the coin kind of thing. Yeah. Like, whereas to, we went to high school together. Oh, yeah. I went to high school with a lot of American kids and my difference wasn't notable, but for me it was like, I knew there were things that I didn't understand or my mom hates and this and that. And so I've always been kind of this like mixed culture experience. And so I love to travel because I like to meet people, see the other side of the coin. And when I travel, I get in this headspace and this perspective of like, wow, the world is so different and so diverse. And this world, there are so many places I will never understand. There are so many things I will never understand. And it just grounds me. 
makes me feel humbled and small and just a reminder that like my issues are like you know they seem small sometimes on the grand scheme of things like yeah for example we are experiencing political unrest in the u.s at this time mm -hmm. uganda is also experiencing political unrest they have elections this week my current job has me um, working with individuals in Indonesia. I gained insight into their political experiences. And these are things that I don't get when I sit in my basement in Seattle and I read my news sources yeah. or I read social media. I'm not getting that same insight to the world around me, that same headspace. And when I travel, I like the headspace. And I'm also pretty active and going to new places like really helps me stimulate my creative juices. So. Mm -hmm. I like to change up my environment. I like to stay productive by experiencing new things and meeting new people. Yeah, absolutely. What's a, what's like a treasured travel memory that you have? So my favorite travel story, I don't share it because it's like not exciting, but the memory is like so rich for me. So I had quit my job in Washington, DC. I gave a one week notice, faux pas, like whatever. I think they were mad, but I had been like on my way out for four months and I had gotten my job at my next employer in Seattle and I delayed coming. I was like, hey, can I delay my start date? And I also like acted like I had two weeks at the old job, then a week <laughs> of packing and all this stuff. But the reality is like, I had the movers called the day after I accepted the job. <laughs> like I was already packed and ready to get out. <laughs> And so I flew to Uganda and I spent some significant time there gathering up. Uh, it was our first shipment of our like quality controlled cards, like what is today our product. Mm -hmm. And I got two duffel bags full of that. And I flew to Madrid, Spain, because the ticket was cheap. And I was like, I just gotten the Google Fi phone, which like allows you to, <laughs> this is not an ad. Uh, it allows you <laughs> Yeah, hashtag not ad. Um, but it allows you to take your calls like all over the world, many countries. It works for data and calls. So I, it's like seamless. So I knew that my future employer, if they called me, I could answer from any country I was in. Whereas previously, I was like, I had cell phones for every country I frequented. I have a Hungarian uh -huh. phone, a phone, and a US phone. Wow. <laughs> I have this phone and they call me and I'm like on a motorcycle in Uganda and they're like so are you coming on your start date and I'm like yeah for sure and then I fly to Spain and I got an Airbnb and I accidentally booked a smart car and it was the only thing that was like manual or automatic that I could drive and mm -hmm. so I had to take the smart card but I had two 50 pound duffel bags full of greeting cards <laughs> that wouldn't fit into the smart car uh -huh. so my first Airbnb I asked him if I could leave it at his house on his porch for two weeks he agreed and wow, then nice yeah he was super nice I got him a bottle of wine afterwards but from Madrid I f I drove to Tarifa Spain and took a ferry to Morocco and wow. took the train up and down Morocco and stayed with some really cool people and then I went back to Spain and went to Portugal and this was a very long run up to my favorite travel story but I booked a hostel at a beach in Portugal and I went out with some Germans I met at the hostel and they were like oh yeah there's this dance tonight we should go dancing which the idea like blows my mind right now during COVID <laughs> <laughs> like sweaty people what in a dark room um so we went it's just like changes our mindset but we went dancing at this party and like I think I was like 
I was in my late 20s, so I felt like older than people there, but I was just having like a really good time with these people I just met. I do speak German, so we could talk. And there was this guy and there was like no connection necessarily between us, but he and I danced like until like one in the morning, everybody left except he and I. And then we went back to the hostel. We sat on the rooftop and hung out. And then we went to like, our room was one big room with bunk beds at this hostel. We all went to sleep. And the next morning I left and didn't say bye to anyone. I just left. And it was like, like one of the most, <laughs> it's like one of the most amazing nights of my life. And I couldn't tell you anybody's names. Yeah, <laughs> like, I, didn't... No, I mean, but those, aren't those the best things about travel? Like, aren't those the best experience? Not even travel, just those random nights that make no sense. You don't know the people you're with, but like, sure, let's split this bottle of wine and hang out and talk about philosophy and then bye, I won't see you again. Yeah, yeah, that's like, it's to this day, one of my fondest memories of me, like playing hooky on in between jobs, like taking what I believe is mine. Like we have this like corporate headspace in America that like you finish your job, you should start right away. Like mm -hmm. how dare you start? Like who told us that? Why do we do that? Yeah. So taking off the time and like you know just kind of like scampering around and like taking cheap tickets and eventually my boss at my new job called and was like you have to stop delaying your start date come home so I bought a ticket to DC and I went to Seattle and started my job like two days later we could have honestly I could have an entire second conversation about the ways that Americans view work versus the ways that like most of the world views work and yeah and just how we just assume that it makes us worthy by working more hours or yep. yeah, when really like you, like you said, it, take what's yours. Like we are as human beings entitled to rest and relaxation and fun and break. And family and friends and, and mental health. I, I quit my job in, um, I want to say August or September because of mental health, uh, an addiction to my career and you know, just me coming to the point where I was like, living is more important than wrecking myself for a paycheck or for a title that impresses people. Yeah. And that's where I'm at in my career. I have a great job right now. I didn't have it when I left my company. I left saying I need to prioritize me over this like career aspiration that was taught to me at a very young age. Yeah, absolutely. Well, this has been amazing. I have I have kind of some rapid fire questions for you now, just okay. uh, largely around travel, some around work. Are you an aisle or a window seat person? Window. Uh, hostel, Airbnb, or fancy hotel? Airbnb, because I stepped up in life, girl. <laughs> okay. Um, an Instagram or otherwise account that you are inspired by? Oh, uh, I really like the Wayfarers on Instagram. I just think she has like a really cool, healthy mindset. Um, she's from DC. I didn't know that till after I bought, I bought some presets from her and I'm just fascinated by this like social media entrepreneurship, like sector in general, how people find ways to sell their creative talents mm -hmm. and to fund the lifestyles they want to live. And I, I really admire her and she's super sweet and pleasant. She like wrote me when I had questions about presets. I think she's great. The Wayfair. I've so never I'm, heard of that. So her, so I'm going to, I'll check her out after this. <laughs> check her out. And then also, I believe it's Glow Graphics. I just want to look her up. She's also another awesome lady who's just super inspiring to me. Um, mm -hmm. Awesome. I, like I have two new ones to look up now. All right. If money were no object, where would you go on your dream vacation? 
Uh, if money was no object, Antarctica, because it's spendy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Your next vacation. Um, so I am currently scheming a way to move to Hungary for a little while mm -hmm. as soon as the vaccine is available. And then I plan to land on a glacier on my 32nd birthday in Alaska. Amazing. I, I have this thing I really want to do, which is kayaking through a glacier in, I think it's Canada. That could be wrong. That sounds amazing. Yeah. yeah. So enjoy. That's that sounds fun. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Um, are you more, if you had to, would you be more of an early, early morning or a late, late night work kind of person? I am early, early morning. I'm angry when I start, but it's I'm most productive in the morning. Okay. An app or a tool that you love to stay focused on work? Ooh, an app or a tool. So I like, um, it's not to stay focused on work, but it does help me. I like Planoly quite a bit. Oh, I'm um, actually learning that this week. So that's good to hear. Oh, nice. Yeah, I really enjoyed it because it taught me a lot about Instagram and helped me organize like hashtags and mm -hmm. understanding aesthetic. I just have the free version, but I like that quite a bit. And then, of course, my alarms, my phone alarms, I live by them. Hey, <laughs> so that's, that's fair. And then a tried and true travel hack, if you have one. A tried and true travel hack. Scott's cheap flights through yes. and through. Yes, Scott's absolutely. Flights. Every I time they picture me on Instagram, I go nuts because I love Scott's cheap flights. Yes, I just signed up for their premium service um, a couple weeks ago. And I can't. oh, it's so amazing. It's bad news. No, you can't. I can't because the minute I sign up, I will not have any money and I will never be in this country. But ever. you'll have a lot of incredible experiences and that's <laughs> more valuable than the money. Okay, last right. question. What is the best thing about building a company and working for yourself? Um, the best thing about building a company and working for myself is, this is especially close to my heart, but the ability to invest in what I think is important and to hold the values that I think are important for myself and to treat people with dignity um, and to hold true to those values. Absolutely, awesome. This has been so wonderful. It's been so good to like catch up with you and talk and learn about, I knew, I knew, you know, kind of some of the things about your business, but not this much. So this has been really great. Um, yeah, thank you. This is fun. I like it. We should yeah. like, we should do this more. <laughs> well, I'll let you know if I'm going to have like another one where we talk about the, the work life balance in America versus other countries, because I think. Oh, I, yeah. Sign me up. I'm, I, I have this like joke and I'm going to start making stickers that say, quit your job. Yeah. So. And where can people find you if they want to follow Bamatoke Made or learn more about the company? So um, on Bamatoke, we have an Instagram that we're not super active. It's at B-A-M-A-T-O-O-K-E-M-A-D-E, Bamatoke Made. That's our Instagram handle. And uh, we have a website. That's the best place to subscribe at www.bamatokemade.com. And then my personal handle, if it's Astro Kendra. A-S-T-R-O, Kendra, K-E-N-D-R-A. Right. Awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Thanks so much, Kendra, for being on the podcast. It was great to catch up with you. Um, you know, I've been following her business since she launched it and following her journeys to and from Uganda for many years. So it was just great to catch up and learn more about the business from the inside. Um, also, I loved talking about the sort of 
the way that we approach work and burnout and stress in America. And I am 100% going to be getting into that at some point because this is something I'm really passionate about. As people, we are meant for more than work. And I really want to make it normal to separate your identity from who you are in the workplace. So anyway, thank you for being here. Thanks for listening and see you next time. Yay!